0: Hi campers, how's everyone feeling today? I'm your host Dylan, and you're listening to another episode of Campfire Adventures podcast. So like we said in the previous episode, we were doing one of two takes because I promised you on my birthday that I'd release two episodes and yet I didn't hold true of my promise. So this is me trying to honor that and we are on the part two. And for this story, I got the inspiration for this episode from a show that I've been watching called Demon Slayer. And I know that that's an anime, but I lightly talked about Naruto being, you know, an inspiration for stories, which is a different anime. And so I figured, well, why not this one? And while watching this show, you hear a lot about demons. So it made me think like, hey, you know, I should talk about a demon or something maybe. And so I found this story about a family that was haunted in Gary, Indiana. Gary,
1: Indiana? mm
0: Mm-hmm, the one and only.
1: It's not Michael
0: Jackson's house, is it? I'll tell you all about it right now. So with all that said, it's time for us to grab a drink. We're chilling around the Portable Campfire, and it's time for us to get into this week's episode. So first, if you haven't seen Demon Slayer, then I highly recommend it. Not only because it's a good anime, but I mean, could you really go wrong watching a show about demons and ninjas and fighting and whatnot? I guess not. And I guess even writing that now, I guess it would be kind of scary to live in that world where you have like a demon running around and then a ninja like, don't worry, citizen, I'll save you. And you're like, oh, great, cool, because my little... You know, shovel isn't gonna do it. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's a cool idea and sometimes it can get pretty scary. But speaking of scary, I told you that I had a story about demons and they're haunting a family in Indiana, or at least they did. So let me tell you all about that and then you tell me what you think. So our story starts in 2011 and we're in Gary, Indiana and I don't know if we talked about this before, you know, but I actually heard about this city while I was on my road trip. When I was in Michigan, I had camped at this park and I stopped to get gas and I had asked the lady at the counter, oh, I'm gonna go through Indiana. Do you have any like recommendations like on where I should stop or like what I should see? And we lightly talked about a couple different ideas. I didn't remember all of them that well, but what I do remember, is she goes, whatever you do, However low you are in gas, do not stop in Gary, Indiana. I was like, why? And she's like, you just don't want to do it. For whatever reason, just don't. I was like, okay. And I was like, well, can you explain just a little bit more so I kind of know? And she basically just explained that there was like a lot of abandoned buildings, that there was a lot of violence that happened there. The crime rates are pretty high. And she said that even her living near Indiana and going through it, she would never even stop in Gary, Indiana. And like Lori said, she also told me that it was the birthplace of Michael Jackson and his family. And as it would turn out, she was right about everything. Well, at least according to Google, because I didn't drive through Gary, Indiana. At least I don't think I did. (laughs) But I did. I remember driving through Indiana and I saw the giant Nesquik rabbit. Like, I was like, oh, look, is this where the Nesquik plant is? That's pretty cool. It's
1: funny that you call it Nesquik.
0: How do you say it? We just call it quick. Quick, or is it Nestle? Nestle Quick? Yeah. Anyway, she was right about everything. Like I said, Michael Jackson grew up there. You know, I saw the Nest Quick, quick, however you want to call it, sign. I went through there, and, you know, I was fine. Everything was fine. I also was thinking a lot about crime junkies, because that's where they are. And there's a headquarters there and things like that. But it looked like Gary, Indiana has one more thing to add to its lists, and that is demon possession. So in November of 2011, LaToya Ammons and her three kids, who were 7, 9, and 12 at the time, including her mother, Rose Campbell, they rented a two-bedroom and one-bathroom house in Indiana. Gary, no less. So being that it was wintertime, the average temperature ranges from about the low 50s to the low 30s. So it came as a shock to this family that after moving in, it seemed as the screen, you know, like some of those houses have like porches that are like screened off, but still connected to the house. Yeah. So this screen ended up being full of flies one day. Oh, gross. Like a horde, what would you call them? A swarm, a A swarm swarm of flies. And they were just resting on this screen. So the family comes out and they're thinking like, oh, this is weird. Like what are all these flies doing here? And I did do a little bit of digging just because I wanted to know, because I'm that kind of person. But it looks like usually around 45 degrees, flies actually stop being active. I don't know if you knew that. Like I know that during the winter time, we just don't see them as much. And then if it drops anything lower than 30 degrees, they actually start to die. But that wasn't the case here in this late months of 2011. The Amon's family, they had seen all these flies just swarm on to the screen. And if you're like me, then Maybe you've watched a few horror movies or two, but you know something sinister is on the way when you start to see that fly swarm. Like, isn't it in like The Exorcist and all those other movies, like all of a sudden they're like flies just like building up on the windows.
1: I've actually never seen any movie about demonic possession.
0: So it happens where there are flies that start to fly all around the window. And so when I start reading the story in the different articles, I'm like, check one. We've figured out that there's something sketchy going on here. So the family goes out and they start to, you know, get rid of all the flies and they kill them, but they come back and they repeat the process, but they still come back. But that was only the beginning of the strange happenings that would take place in this house. The family claims to have heard footsteps make their way up from the basement, because yes, this place would also have a basement. <laughs> Like, I was just like, out of everything that could possibly go wrong, first you had the flies swarming, now you have this basement, which, you know, seems safe because, and I feel like a lot of these different states in the Midwest, you kind of need a basement to get through, just in case there are some weather problems going on. Mm-hmm. But they start to hear footsteps coming from the basement. And then when the sun would rise, when they'd go investigate, they'd start to see, like, these footprints, that made their way from the basement into the kitchen and around the house so it would freak them out no less sounds would be made throughout the night it just seemed like weird things started to happen and then there were claims of seeing like shadowy figures around the house and i don't know if you're like me i would have tried to leave but this family couldn't afford to leave like a lot of people when I was reading the article, it was like, why didn't you just leave? I don't think that people realize like, well, if you're getting into a house, that's a full on commitment. Yeah. Most people don't have the ability to just leave and go get a new place, right? So they're kind of stuck in this situation with all these weird happenings going on. Things amped up a little bit more for the family after a friend had passed away. So the family had gone to this, you know, reception. They saw their friend off and, you know, they celebrated the life of things. And then they thought like, well, you know what, it would be nice to have some friends come over just to help us kind of deal with how we feel and our emotions and whatnot. So some friends came over, the family's over at their house in Gary, Indiana, and everything seemed fine. And what ended up happening was Latoya, her 12-year-old daughter, and one of her friends decided that they'd share one of the rooms. And during the night, Latoya is awakened by something. And when she starts to like clear her eyes, she sees that her 12-year-old daughter is levitating out of the bed. Oh,
1: gross.
0: And she's, why gross?
1: I don't know, it's just so unnatural.
0: So what happens is she like clears her eyes and she sees her daughter's like levitating and she freaks out and she goes, mom, mom. Remember, Latoya's the kid's mom, but her mom is Rose who also lives in the house. So she's like, Rose, well, I'm gonna say Rose. Rose, Rose, get in here. And so she comes in and they start freaking out. And everybody who's in the house starts to freak out. And her mom, Rose, is like, we need to pray. We need to pray. And so everyone circles around the 12-year-old and they start to just pray. And they're praying and they're praying. And I wish I kind of knew what those prayers were because just in case that ever happens to me, I want to know what to say.
1: So those would be what's considered like warfare prayers.
0: What do you say in those?
1: Um, so that is where you engage the enemy, mm-hmm. which is Satan and his demonic minions. So you engage in in prayer, Satan. And under the authority of Christ, you demand that they leave and you back it with the scripture.
0: Okay. So kind of like when I'm watching, well, you didn't watch The Conjurings, but like they start to recite some things and just say like, whatever Bible words you (laughs) no Words. (laughs) (laughs) I was just gonna think of, Christ compels you. And then they just like, I command you in the name of so-and-so to like leave, like you are not welcome here, such and such and such. And then eventually those entities end up leaving. Or do they? So, This is what happens. So the 12-year-old girl actually starts to descend, according to this family, obviously, Uh because we're not there to experience the situation. I'm not trying to discount anything. I'm just saying we have to take everything as it's given, as a story. And so she descends. And when she wakes up, she doesn't remember anything that happened. And the family friends that came over never want to come back to the house. So. At this point, Latoya and her family knew that something needed to be done in order to stop these paranormal activities because they seemed like they were escalating. Now, initially, she reached out to the church, but they didn't want to put too much stock in the stories. And I don't know, like, exactly, like, who I would reach out to. Like, would I go to the mission and be like, sanctuary, sanctuary? Because actually, I I have a story, and I'll tell you the story a little bit after um, about a run-in where we had to go to the the mission.
1: Oh, I remember. Okay, you, yeah. I've heard this, yeah.
0: Okay, well, I'll tell you. So anyway, but to, back to this story. So they go to the church, and this church didn't put too much stock in the story, but they did advise them that maybe you should cleanse your house, like just clean it all out. So I don't know if they recommended this, but she bleaches everything.
1: Oh, I don't think that's a cat. I of don't thing think that's the,
0: she bleaches everything. And then she gets oil and starts to make like the sign of the cross over the family's heads and um, on the windows, just trying to do her best to like just ward off any entities. And she eventually reaches out to some clairvoyants, which I know that we mentioned this in other stories, but their abilities basically are being type of sensitive and they're able to see things that are beyond a normal person's abilities so sometimes they can see the future other times they can see spirits or entities that are in your house and in my mind what I think of is like a Lorraine Warren so from the Conjuring movies she's able to see these spirits and like piece together what's happening and how to help these people do I believe that she did that entirely I'm not sure but anyway that's what I was thinking of. So she reached out to some clairvoyants, and these clairvoyants actually claim that she has over 200 spirits living in this house, and that they are causing some torment. Like, everything that's happened, the reason why the flies are swarming on the screen, the reason that they hear these footsteps- She
1: has like a portal there's in that house.
0: Exactly. And that's going to be something that they end up finding. So the clairvoyants tell her, burn some sage and go from the top of your house down to the bottom of your house. That's not going to work. Well, thanks, Lori, because LaToya's at the end of her wits with trying to figure out what's happening. So she burns the sage. She goes from the top of her house all the way down to the basement. And then they also tell her that she should make an altar in her basement where she puts, like, a white linen and puts some salt. And while she's doing the sage movement, she needs to read some scripture. Go ahead, Lori. That's not going to work. Why?
1: (laughs) It's just not. It's like... I don't know. It's not Demons don't respond to that.
0: We'll get Lori's take on this because <laughs> apparently <laughs> Latoya should have just called Lori. So they she burns the stage and then someone follows along and reads scriptures. I think they're reading Psalm. Okay. And they Like Psalm 91
1: probably.
0: I think so. I okay. didn't write it down because I didn't know what I was talking about. Because I used to call Psalms psalm for the longest time and I found out that the peace I live. So anyway, back to the story. So she goes down and she does all this stuff and they read the scripture from the Bible and it seemed like the energy in the house had changed, mm-hmm. allegedly. And I think it was three days that they lived without hearing noises, without footsteps, without footprints, without all these just random things that were happening. And now being that I've seen a lot of movies, which I've kind of addressed a little bit throughout this episode, it seemed like everything that is in these classic steps that they make you take like first it was the cleansing then it was reaching out to the church then it was the burn sage, then it was like all these things i feel like are pretty classic horror movie like checklist but all this apparently was done in vain because eventually things once again took a turn for the worse so it's claimed that shortly after all this was done each one of the family members had experienced a version of possession So the younger son claimed that he had been talking to people that actually weren't there. He had been talking to a little boy about how this little kid had died. And then it was, you know, the other brother talking in low demonic voices. The brothers were fighting, eventually threatening to kill everybody in these voices while, you know, all this stuff was going on. And then the daughter, the 12 year old, she was attacked by like a headboard and that sent her to the hospital. And this is when, Things started to get crazy because everything was being exposed to people outside of the family at this point. Like, I know that the family friends had known, but nobody knew, like, about the voices. No one knew about, like, the headboards flying and hitting her and all these different things that were happening within the family. Even the mom, Latoya, she was saying, like, her energy was off. She felt like she was so weak. She didn't have any control over the things that were going on. And It just was a lot, but Rose, her mother said that this, none of this stuff happened to her because she was blessed. Like there was something that she had gone through like in her life where she wasn't affected by like the presence of a demonic entity. So now they're at the hospital, right?
1: Because of the little
0: girl? Yes. Okay. So the doctor attending to the daughter's wounds claimed to have been hearing stories from each one of the family members, all the things that had been happening in this house in Gary, Indiana. And then the nine-year-old allegedly, while this was happening, was flung across the room, like, impromptu. And I actually, you know, when they say like, oh, well, maybe they just did that, I don't know how someone flings their body just across the room, like, without, like, getting some momentum built up to it. So at some point, while this is all happening, Child Protective Services was called, and in enters Valerie Washington. She is the lady, you know, from Child Protective Services who's gonna do this investigation because what people are thinking is that Latoya is actually abusing her children and they're blaming this all on a demonic presence, which now makes me think of, you know, just maybe someone who might be like hyper-religious, you know, maybe this is a scenario where there's a reasonable explanation why all this is happening. And I don't know, it depends on what you believe in, if you believe in the supernatural or if you don't, but. I'm not sure where Valerie stands on this whole thing but anyway so Valerie was hired to investigate the family and see if there are any signs of abuse she had Latoya examined by a psychological evaluator at the hospital who cleared her said that she was competent she was aware of everything she was mentally stable and it wasn't just like some psychotic episode that she was experiencing which is why all this stuff was happening so that cleared everything out and then Valerie turned to the kids and interviewed them And as she was interviewing the two boys, the seven and nine-year-old, the two seemed very hostile. I guess the seven-year-old repeatedly threatened his brother and was speaking in those demonic voices. And then Valerie claimed that the nine-year-old, he was holding his um, grandmother's hand, Rose's hands, and like she was trying to calm him down. And eventually, he started to walk backwards, climbed, like was walking up on the back of the wall, flipped over, and then went on the opposite side of his grandmother that while so still rubbish. holding her hands.
1: So where was the grandmother when, because the grandmother didn't go up the wall? No. So how is he holding her hand if, she, if she's I don't, down here and he's up there?
0: That's what I didn't understand when I was reading this, because I'm like, so whose hands are breaking in this scenario? Yeah. And how is this happening? But this is all just what was expressed in the article that at some point he was walking up some part of the wall while still holding his grandmother's hands and ended up on the opposite side of her or something like that. So Valerie's experiencing some of these paranormal, supernatural things going on, at least was my interpretation from all the articles that I read. So I would think that she would be a believer in all this stuff. And even the doctor himself said, I was skeptic at first, but a lot of this stuff makes me question whether I should be skeptical of it or not, right? So at this point, everything was out in the open. And it seemed like no one really believed them, although they partially did. So I don't think that anybody really knew what was going to happen. So Latoya ended up, you know, staying at the hospital. And then Valerie comes back. And she's basically like, oh, can you have the kids all brought back here? And she goes, yeah, that's fine. We're actually celebrating, you know, one of their birthdays. And we wanted to just have a family moment. And Valerie's like, Great. So all the kids come back to the hospital, and she's like, Speaking of a family moment, we're going to break the family apart because we're taking the kids into custody because we believe that there's some abuse that's actually happening here. And, you know, that was, I think, a very traumatic blow, you know, to Latoya and Rose because they're like, You know, we didn't do anything. But basically, what was happening was Valerie was trying to build up a case with the kids because they had missed a lot of school. And Latoya had blamed that on like the demonic thing happening, like, oh, they're sick, or oh, something's happening because of this and that. And so they weren't technically being neglected of their like educational, you know, responsibilities or whatever. And so she's like, well, we need to evaluate you further. We need to see if you're suitable as a parent, because maybe, just maybe, she's like pushing this demonic agenda on the kids, and they're in turn like believing it so much so that because it's her their mom that they're starting to project what she's conveying to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where the concern is, which is a valid concern, you know, I would think as well, especially if you're like, this is all baloney or whatever. So it seemed like things just got even more complicated. However, the chaplain from the hospital, he ended up reaching out to another uh, chaplain um, named Michael Maganot. And he basically told him everything that the Amon family had been going through and he asked Michael if he would be willing to perform an exorcism for them. Because if anything, at least it's like the next step in the progression of trying to figure out whatever is actually happening to this family. Uh So Rose and Latoya were able to give Michael a tour of their house and they explained, you know, more about what was happening to the family. And eventually, because of everything that he saw and experienced while in the house, I guess just from the feeling of it and from, the hours that he spent with LaToya and Rose, he agreed to do the exorcism. And at the same time, the kids were being evaluated to make sure that they were physically and mentally okay. And within the half a year that they actually lived in that house, they had missed like a substantial amount of school. And she just was trying to make sure like mentally that they're okay, physically, that they're not being hurt by their mom. And that's where she was wanting to go with it. She did give the mom supervised visits and like kind of put her on an action plan with like how she could better suit like being a mother for her kids kind of thing. Like she was like, we just want to make sure that you're, if given the opportunity, can like learn how to deal with your kids kind of thing. I didn't know that they would go through all these hoops and bounds and I'm not sure that they do or not. But anyway, this is a story that we're given, so. So it's like, okay, that's kind of nice, you know, like, okay, we're going to see how this works, and if we can really see if this is going to go anywhere. Because I think that the kids were just giving off, like, vibes that maybe all of this was just not anything, and maybe they were just trying to, like, help their mom kind of thing. So, like I said, all these things are happening interchangeably. So with this in the works, it was time for Latoya and Rose to get rid of the demons. So... Michael and two police officers with a woman from Child Protective Services came to exercise the house. So it took some time, and it would take about three different exorcisms to actually be performed. And it wasn't always that the police officers were there, and it wasn't always that that lady from Child Protective Services was there, but the first walkthrough, the police officers actually said that they got photos of, like, a shadowy figure in the house. They had looked under... The stairs of the basement and it looked like there was something that was pretty shady that was going on there like that's where the chaplain had said that he had found like the most entity or like feeling from and so they had quarantined that off and then like there was oil falling from the windows and things like that and so they kind of quarantined that off to see if it was like rose or if it was like Latoya pouring more oil to make sure it was like seeping so they like cleaned it up and just watched it and like sure enough more oil came out of nowhere And so they were kind of like, okay, this is something that maybe they're not just making up. And so an exorcism was performed, but it didn't stick. And at this time, like we're moving forward in their life, Latoya and Rose were actually able to buy a house somewhere else outside of Gary, Indiana. Oh, good. Yeah, so they were trying to get out of there, but they still needed to return to this old house in order to completely get rid of the exorcism because as we know, like allegedly in these movies, like just because you move, it doesn't mean whatever's connected to you just goes away. It'll just follow you. And so they're trying to finish this whole thing. So the next exorcism was done with Michael, Latoya, and some people from the church. And he was just exercising like her and trying to get rid of this demon. And then he had told her that he was going to leave for a little bit, but he needed her to just keep in contact with the church, and if anything seemed like it was going to come up again, let him know. And eventually, while he was gone, something did come up, and she had to let the church know. And Michael had set it up where they would burn this uh, note where he wrote the name of the demon that they believe was cursing Latoya. Mm -hmm. And after burning that note, she had felt better. And Michael eventually came back, and he performed one more exorcism with Latoya in the church, but this time he did it in Latin. And after he had done this, Mm -hmm. Exorcism and Latin, that's when everything just stopped. There was no more feeling of this heavy demonic presence. There was nothing crazy happening. And it seemed like their lives had gotten back on track from where it was. And what would happen is in November of 2012, Latoya actually got custody of her kids again. So it was a year after they moved into the Gary Indiana house oh, okay. that she would, you know, have her kids go through this demonic traumatic event, lose them halfway through, and then at the end of a full year, she would have a new house, get custody of her kids back, and be exorcised of the demons.
1: Nice, very nice.
0: So it was just really weird to me, like this whole story, because they also did reach out to the owner of the rental property, because they were just renting that house actually. So they reached out to the owner, and he had said, you know, my 33 years of being a home renter, like, never. Homeowner. Well, homeowner, and then, like, renting his property. He had never had anyone before or after this family claim that there was any type of demonic or negative presence that caused him to feel any kind of way or experience anything that they did wow. but he did say he did feel like he was more of a believer because of the experience that Latoya and Rose and her family had conveyed because he was like well maybe they might have gone through this there was a lot of stuff to go through and because the church got involved he felt more comfortable thinking like okay maybe there's some truth behind whatever this is
1: wow that's it's
0: like amazing it's it's an interesting story because it was all within a year and like i feel like there were so many like low 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 lows to come back to this really nice high yeah. which is why i thought that this story was pretty cool because like it is a happy ending and it didn't take long for it to become what it is but it it ended up having a happy result i think
1: yeah for sure so is there any follow-up on them in their
0: new home they did kind of follow up but that was where they had said like everything seemed like it had dissipated like that the exorcism were success and i don't know exactly what else they wanted to do i know that we were looking up some things and it looked like they wanted to make some type of story about it but I don't know that it's going to go anywhere further than it just being a success and now those kids you know that was in 2011 those kids are adults now and the mom latoya never wanted to release any of their names so that way they would never be connected to this story so i don't think that her goal was to make any money off of telling this it was more just to get the truth out there of what happened and what she experienced it was horrible like could you imagine but i felt like this whole story Checked every single box of a classic horror movie like i said and then to get the priest and the church involved and then to have the exorcisms and then the english ones didn't hold true until it got to latin i was like okay are we literally listening to like the true stories of someone who's experiencing the exorcism in real life right now which i mean very well could have been the case because that's what we're reporting on but, yeah, so it was a crazy story, and I feel like, you know, just watching that show, The Demons Slayers, I was like, I want to learn a little bit more about demons. And then it starts going off on, like, like, like the Krampus was one of them, like the evil guy that we had told the Christmas episode. Shout out, by the way, we're going to be doing Christmas episodes after this, so look forward to that. But um, it was just interesting, like, like Belsh Nickel and stuff like that. I was like, oh, these are considered demons? I was thinking of, like, I don't know, like, gluttony and like lust like those can also be like demons and whatnot but anyway no
1: they all have their own names yeah. yeah so
0: it it was interesting to find out and it was actually really sad too because i feel like this poor family went through so so much within a short amount of time but i was happy that it, the ending was happy so yeah. that is the episode that i have for you the last thing is to go into that story that i wanted to tell you about was um my interaction with going to mission yeah to the catholic church so my mom has a story and i don't know if she wants me to share it or not but i'm going to share it anyway but she had been given um a statue of the virgin mary but it was an all black like porcelain so you couldn't see a face and i thought it looked i thought it looked nice i was like oh that's pretty cool but she had told me that um her mom had been given a black porcelain virgin mary as well and that it was told to her that it was a curse so if someone gives you this they're cursing you to have like misfortune and and to have bad things happen to you and some things have happened in my life which i'm sure that have happened in other people's lives and la 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 and my mom had gone through some things as well and eventually it came down to her thinking that maybe she was being cursed because she was given that black porcelain virgin mary from somebody And she thought that maybe there was something negative connected to it. And maybe that's why things that had happened were happening. So we took it to the Catholic Church. We went there and went to the mission and we like had asked him. And I felt really bad because my mom was getting emotional with the situation. Mm. And she asked him like, oh, when is, you know, whoever, I said a priest? Yeah. Okay. She said like, when is the, she said, when is the priest going to come back? Like, I would really like him to bless this or tell me what to do with this item that I feel like is causing my family so much negativity and, and to have these bad things happen. I really want to know what to do with it. And like the guy listened and people were around and they were like, Oh, you know what's going on? And she was obviously very upset. Uh And the guy just like looked and smiled and was like, Oh, well, you know, like you need to be empowered yourself. And he's like, you can bless the, the item here. And then I recommend bearing it at home and things like that. And I was like, what the heck? I was like, what are we not paying you for? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was like, isn't like the priest, shouldn't he give some guidance? Shouldn't he come and like handle it and throw a little holy water on it and be like, hey God, beep beep, like copy. Can you get rid of this like little negative entity over and out and, you know, be done with it. But it was more like, you got this, don't you? (laughs) So I was like, okay. But that was just our experience. So in my mind, hearing Latoya's events, I'm like, if I went to this church, which I, you know, only ever really know of. Well, first of all, I want to ask, also let Lori talk about what her idea behind this demonic thing would have been. But anyway, so that was just my experience. I kind of just felt like that like they would do more, and I wasn't really sure. Like, so where do I go? You know, like what would I do if I did have a demonic presence? Like, would it just be like? you got this or not. But anyway, so that's the story that I had, and that was the experience that I had with the situation. We did end up blessing the uh, item there, and then I'm pretty sure we buried it, but I said we should have just thrown it away. I mean, right?
1: Because I remember it was it was fairly small, right? It was
0: small. It was just a little like figurine,
1: inch, yeah, or so mm-hmm. figurine. Yeah, I remember.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. I, I I was just a crazy experience to be a part of. But to hear what happened to the Amon's family and to think that they tried to go through the right avenues to get things done, but it wasn't until somebody else, you know, connected to the church, was like, "You mind doing as a solid?" You know. So anyway, but. What was it that you think? Because you said that none of this, you know, actions that were taken were going to work. So,
1: oh well, yeah. So, um, I think my opinion, of course, is, you know, so cleaning of the house would be like throwing away objects in the house that are of the occult that can hold demonic energy. Um, it's basically like. So if you have something that's occultish or demonic in nature, that is like your agreement with the demonic world for them to inhabit your home. Because it's like, well, why else would you have this if you didn't want me here?
0: And what can something like that look like?
1: Um, it could be anything like um, dream catchers, um, skulls. A lot of um, books about New Age practices, like okay, tarot cards. Um,
0: so that's like an invitation of sorts.
1: Yeah, because in the Bible, uh, God says that he does not operate with those tools and they're not his. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're not, like as believers, supposed to utilize any of those tools to read the future or anything like that. Because they're not his. So if they're not his then they are just basically of um, the occult.
0: Okay. So, so getting rid of that and then... Getting
1: rid of that stuff and then... Um, so doing all those little things, like the building the little altar and stuff like that. So those are like more new age practices. So it's basically like taking the occult and then making it kind of cute. So it's like, well, it doesn't look scary. It's not black. It doesn't look you know death like but it's still not a practice that is godly it mm-hmm. is still like it's like a like charm so like using sage it's um not efficient it's still just it's like occult light
0: so then what would someone do like do they have that message in the bible
1: yeah they do so um so all demons have names Yes. They have names. If you don't know its name, because I can go down this really long.
0: (laughs) It's okay. That did happen, by the way. I didn't say that just to kind of save on the story. But the chaplain did tell her, like, "Who would try to figure out who you think this demon is. Yeah. Because when you have the name, that gives you power. And,
1: And the reason why is because in the spirit realm, in the supernatural realm, in the spirit realm... Um, things operate off of names, so names have, have power, and so does blood. So both of those things are also in our natural world. Like, I have a name, you have a name, I have blood, you have blood. So those are the two things that are both consistent here and also over there. So with the name, you can call it out because it's like, I know who you are. So every demon has a name. If you don't know its name, then you need to know its function which is basically what, what type of terror or curse or whatever that it follows because it can be called out by its function as well because you're not always going to know a demon's name. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the Bible, Jesus says that if, if you can't cast it out, like what they when they did that first prayer around the little girl, if you can't cast it, you know, they might subside it for a little bit. Um, but if you can't cast it out that way, you have to just fast, like fasting and praying. or Because Jesus says some sometimes some demons are just really stubborn and they just won't go. Mm. And, um, yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Lori. Stuff <laughs> that I feel like I've also heard about in them conjuring movies. So some of those things like names give you power and things like that. Like in the second one, that was a big portion of defeating the demon that was causing...
1: Well, so you have to also think of this, too. For Christians, and maybe you know that, like, when you're listening to people pray, they're always saying the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that is the name that has authority over demons. So you have to use the power of Jesus's name over the demons.
0: Speaking of stories, real quick, do you want to tell them that story that you told me about the dream that you had? which one about the devil trying to come into the to the gate and it was like let me in oh
1: yeah yeah that
0: was a crazy story just one more
1: yeah so i had this dream a few years ago maybe eight years ago it's very realistic and um i was in this really small gated garden a vegetable garden and um it had like it was a small square and then it had like like a gate with a like a latch on the top um, on each side. So it was two gates that I saw um, on each side of the square. And there was this mom there who had like a six-year-old little boy. And then the mom says to me, I need your help. Um, my son is so busy playing all the time in his garden. He doesn't pay attention. She's like, I'm afraid he's gonna let the enemy in here. Or no, no, she said, I'm afraid he's gonna, she, he's gonna let the lion in here. And I said, oh, okay. And so then um, I said, so I, so I tell the mom, I said, well, we'll have a practice run tomorrow. But being that you're dealing with the lion, you can have a practice run, but the outcome is going to be real no matter what it is. And so um, the next day comes. And it's just a small garden in like these really grass rolling hills. So I'm in the garden and I latch one of the gates close it, secure it. The little boy's playing like little Tonka trucks in the dirt.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: see the lion huge in the background and he's pacing back and forth and back and forth. And I know that he's preparing to come, like run towards the garden and test the gates to see how strong they are and see if he can if he can break through into the garden. And so I see him, I see him, and then... Um, I said, oh, we'll be fine. I locked that gate, which is weird because it was a flimsy wooden gate and a big, huge lion. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. just the, anyone could have knocked down the gate. Anyway, so then um, I'm looking and I lose sight of the lion. He's pacing back and forth. I lose sight of him. And then all of a sudden, I see Jesus walking towards the garden.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and um, But he's walking funny, like a weird walk of someone who's wearing shoes that aren't theirs that don't fit Mm -hmm. and someone who's wearing something on their head so it's this unbalanced walk and not a confident stride and I said oh sneaky lion he's pretending to be Jesus and he thinks that I'll like think that it's the real Jesus and I'll just allow him to enter the gate as soon as I thought that I look up and I see that I missed the latch on one of the on the gate, and so I hurry up and I run over there and I go to latch it real quick. The next thing I know, fake Jesus is in my face and he's like, "Hey, so can okay, you let me in?" And it's like real weird, you know, really weird. And he's trying to adjust this wig on his head. Solid. Yeah, <laughs> he's messing with the whole walk down, so. And he's like, yeah, just like, let me in. And I'm like, no. And then I said, I, I said, that's not how you'd ask. And he goes, what do you mean? That's not how I'd ask. And I said, knock and you shall enter. And he goes, what? He goes, no, 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 just let me in. Just open the latch and just let me in. And I'm like, no. And I say, knock and you shall enter. And he started to get annoyed. and he's like, yeah, I don't know what you mean. Just let me in. And then I said, I know it's not really you. And I said, but I'll love you anyway. Mm. And so then he figures out that he's been had, if that's the right way to say that expression. Anyway, so he figures out that I realized he's not the real Jesus. So then he looks at me and he hisses at me and he has these bangs and then his eyes are red. Jeez. And he starts running away. And that was the end of the dream very intensely realistic. and.
0: Yeah, I remember you told me, I'd never forgotten that you had that dream. Yeah,
1: yeah, the one of many, yeah. actually, very odd dreams.
0: But that is, that's the story. I mean, it, it was just, I wanted to make sure we captured each different portion of demonic touches that people can have in their life. Like for you, it was through this dream. You know, for my mom, it was through an object. Oh, and then- I
1: actually had a whole portal in my house.
0: We're gonna we'll talk about it on the next one. Yeah. But even for this family, the mom's family, like you said, a portal was there, and and even the clairvoyant saw two hundred different spirits there. They went through this whole thing and had to go through a situation that was just insane. But that is the story that I have for you this week, and I hope you enjoyed the two for that we did for you. Yeah. A holiday special, and then a story dedicated to an anime
1: holiday special is so
0: kooky (laughs) no it's good and and now i'm looking forward to seeing what Lori cooks next year so don't worry everyone i'll tell you if she does or doesn't because i'm already hungry but with all i said that is the end so thank you for listening again we're going to post our source material and i'll put any videos that i have and pictures on the website at com. And then you'll see more pictures that I'm going to post on the Instagram and Facebook at Camp for Adventures Podcasts. But with all that said, this is the end of another episode. So whether you listen to this in the morning or the evening, I hope you have a good morning or a good evening. And with all that said, I'm going to say bye. So bye.
1: Bye. Good night.